This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to PowerPlay, a series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. And I'm Danson Chong, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. Every month, the both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. We've come to the end of a crazy year, and so much has happened in the world of US-China relations. From Russia's war on Ukraine that started at the beginning of the year, to Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, semiconductor curbs on China, and the recent meeting between Joe Biden and Xi Jinping. Yeah, it really has been non-stop. Yeah, this episode, we're going to take some time to recap some of the things that have happened, and also take a look ahead to see what 2023 might bring. Danson, why don't you go first? What was the biggest thing that happened for you from your perch in Beijing? (laughs) <laughs> okay, I mean, but how to choose? Um, but you know, if I had, I, I think I'll have to say, uh, U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit uh, to Taiwan in August. I think that really had seismic ramifications. Um, for starters, you, you know, it, it put U.S.-China relations in a deep freeze. You know, Beijing put a stop to a range of uh, you know key dialogue channels. You know, it ramped up uh, military drills around the island. You know, and for a short period of time, it raised, I think, very real concerns of the possibility of war over the Taiwan Strait. Taiwan, you know, is the most fundamental issue for China. And I think the, the incident of, of Pelosi's visit um, solidified perceptions in Beijing that the U.S.'s position on Taiwan uh, was changing or is changing. And it's significant because it continues to color subsequent dialogue between the two countries. You know, Taiwan was an issue that the two presidents discussed when they met at the G20 in Bali uh, last month in November. And also when the defense ministers, uh, Wei Fong He and, and Lloyd Austin, met in Cambodia that same month, um, and I can tell you why this is a problem. You know, in many of these meetings, you often read in, in uh, the statements and readouts that both sides, you know, are just going through, uh, you know, laying out their positions on the issue. Uh, you know, Chinese side, you know, for example, likes to say that, that Taiwan is a red line, you know, and things like that. You know, and it, it sort of tells me that despite the fact that, you know, some dialogue has resumed, um, discussions are still stuck at this sort of very uh, cursory level. You know, they're not talking about substantive things like preventing conflict, you know, setting up uh, hotlines, you know, things like that. You know, it strikes me as, as particularly dangerous at a time when relations are, are tense. Um, but what about you, Cursor? You know, what was your 2022 highlight? I'm not sure it's a highlight, but it definitely had seismic ramifications too. You know, it's a little less sexy, but it's the US ban on chip exports to China for me. You know, this has really been the year of the chips from Washington's point of view. Well, its sanctions were announced in early October and restricted exports of America's most advanced chips and its most advanced tools used to make chips to China. And not only that, but, you know, America also restricted the exports of tools and tool components made with U.S. technology anywhere in the world to China. So basically, their goal is to cut off China's access to top-end chips and to hamper its ability to make them. And in doing so, you know, therefore throttle Beijing's ambitions to build up its own chip industry. And also other industries that rely on these top-end chips. You know, this can include artificial intelligence. And so Washington is trying to curb China's growth in the long run. And, you know, these moves could really tip the US and China's superpower rivalry and tech competition in favor of Washington if Beijing doesn't find a way to overcome these curbs. And remember, these chip export restrictions come on top of America's Chips Act in July, which, if you remember, gives grants to chip makers as incentives for them to set up and expand chip-making plants in the US. Yeah, it sounds like you know we're looking at Cold War-style containment strategies again. And so looking ahead to 2023, you know, the C-Biden meeting in November you know, created hopes that 
you know, frosty relations would, would improve. Um, but I think it's more likely that this is just a momentary lull. But, you know, let's take a look first at the economic side of things. Do you expect pressure, you know, like the chip export curbs to continue into next year? Yeah, very much so. You know, the US has both implicitly and explicitly said so. So, for example, we have US Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who gave a speech in November laying out Washington's plans to limit Beijing's ability to buy and make very advanced chips, while at the same time also becoming, you know, less dependent on Chinese supply chains. And the US is currently working very hard to get Japan and the Netherlands, who make and sell advanced chip-making tools, to also stop selling their equipment to China. You know, Bloomberg reported that they have agreed to join in principle what the US is doing. So I think that more of these moves are likely in the pipeline, and these will further cut China off from the global chip ecosystem. And on top of this, you know, there will likely be more export curbs in sectors beyond chips that the US deems crucial to its national security. So this might include microelectronics, AI, biotechnology, quantum computing, you know, advanced clean energy, among other technologies. Yeah, you know, the, the U.S. ambassador to China, Nicholas Burns, uh, he said in an interview with the American Chamber of Commerce this month um, that U.S. businesses should stay away from investments in China that would help um, China's uh, military industrial sector develop. Um, so it definitely sounds like pressure like this is going to continue. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Well, let's look at China's foreign policy too. Since the end of the Party Congress, we've seen China and itself impose diplomatic isolation because of the pandemic. And Xi is leaving the country now and meeting foreign leaders. So, you know, Denson, what are his goals and do you see this continuing into 2023? Yeah, you, you know, it's remarkable how China has really sort of embarked on this uh, diplomatic push. Uh, you know, you, as, you, as you said, you know, Xi has, has met close to 40 world leaders since the end of the Party Congress. Uh, you know, and they're from all regions of the world, you know, Southeast Asia, uh, the Middle East, you know, even countries uh, like, like um, Japan and uh, Australia that are traditionally uh, US partners. And I think, you know, Beijing has seen from its perspective how the international environment has really deteriorated over the last uh, few years. And uh, Xi Jinping's main goal, I think, is to stabilize relationships and try to foster a more uh, beneficial uh, external environment. Um, you see, you know, this in how he emphasizes economic links, you know, when he's talking to European leaders and, and his counterparts in the region. Um, and in Saudi Arabia, you know, he, he, he pledged to buy more oil. Uh, so he's really out to, to stabilize uh, China's supply chains and emphasize that China is a big economic partner. Um, and I think in, in the next year, uh, this sort of diplomatic outreach will continue. We're seeing the beginnings of a thaw in relations with countries like Japan and Australia. Um, you know, could we, for instance, see China lift economic tariffs on Australia? You know, that will be one big sign that, that China is, is serious about repairing relationships damaged over the last three years. Um, but, you know, if you, if you look at the US, you know, what do you think Biden's foreign policy looks like uh, in 2023? Well, I think the Biden administration will continue its overarching strategy of seeking to contain China's tech growth. And remember that, you know, the big thing is Republicans have won control of the House of Representatives, and that kicks in in January. Well, House Republicans also want to focus on America's technology competition with China. And one thing that they really want to do is to tighten these export curbs even more. 
So their point is that these export restrictions are too lenient, actually. So they keep arguing that, you know, blacklisted Chinese firms often apply for licenses and often get them anyway. And Republicans also have this long to-do list of things that are sure to ruffle Beijing's feathers, I think. You know, these include investigating the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and more congressional delegation visits to Taiwan. But there are also some areas of bipartisan overlap with the Biden administration, you know, arming Taiwan, boosting defense spending in the Indo-Pacific region, among others. But also don't forget that, you know, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is planning to visit China in early 2023. So I think this might pave the way for some limited cooperation in the early part of the year, at least. Hmm. What about the 2024 presidential election? You know, it's also drawing closer. And, uh, you know, is is Biden likely to run for a second term? And, you know, what sort of impact will this have on uh, relations of policy on China? Well, Biden hasn't ruled it out yet, although he also hasn't announced another run at the White House either. But I think whether or not he's running, the 2024 presidential election campaigning is going to slow foreign policy down or make it harder. I think that either the parties won't be able to come to an agreement because they're busy trying to block the other, or Republicans are going to push for more hawkish positions on China and try and make the Democrats look weak on China. So basically next year, 2023, is the window of opportunity for major US-China legislation to be passed in Congress, if it's going to be. I guess whatever happens, you know, it's clear, I think, that there are choppy waters ahead. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Danson. That nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to Power Play. I'm Carissa Yong. And I'm Danson Cho. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. That was a podcast by the Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.